Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Priyanka Ford to the show. Priyanka Ford is the founder and executive board member of Kronos Fusion Energy Incorporated, a company committed to developing algorithms and machine learning simulations for creating fusion energy generators and other clean fusion energy products that will have a lasting impact on future generations. Priyanka, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Raj. Thank you for having me. Priyanka, thank you for joining. Priyanka, I think a good place to start is definitions. Can you tell us the difference between fusion energy and fission? Um, Sure. From a very simplistic perspective, with fission, you're breaking something apart and you're breaking apart radioactive isotopes like uranium. With fusion, you are fusing hydrogen isotopes um, that are very, very low radiation and some with zero radiation. When you either split this or when you fuse, when you have fission or fusion, you have a release of a large amount of heat from this process. And the idea is to harness this heat and turn it into electricity. Thank you so much for that definition. So practically speaking, where are we on the fusion journey? Um, We're very realistically about 10 to 12 years from having viable commercial fusion energy. There are some companies out there that have been working on this for over a decade. Um, MIT in particular has been working on this for a multitude of decades, and they have done some really legitimately awesome work on the field. Um, We have a few companies that will have a heat generation unit, or a power generation unit that will plug into market and go into market. Um, I think that they have made some promises of 2028, so that should be pretty soon. But I would say in terms of actually plugging into the larger grid, I see that as being about 10 to 12 years away, depending on funding and support. Now, we've spent a few minutes talking about fusion energy. Can you give us an overview of Kronos Fusion Energy and your role at the organization? Sure. Um, I am the founder of Kronos Fusion Energy. I have been working on fusion energy for about six or seven years. Um, I have a mathematical background and I worked at various energy companies and I learned a lot about clean fusion energy and plugging it into the grid. My team members are scientists that have breakthroughs attributed to them in the fusion energy field for the last 40 years. And this includes uh, reaching high plasma fields, uh, reaching high temperatures, having a very creating a very strong magnetic field, 
all of these things that are essential to building a fusion energy generator. So what we're set out to do is to build a absolutely clean, efficient, optimized fusion energy generator that can go to market and be commercialized using materials that are available, supply chains that are available, and resources that are available. Um, there is a pursuit that we are after, which is um, aneutronic fusion. And aneutronic fusion is a process of fusing helium-3 and helium-3 and creating um, heat through that fusion energy process and having absolutely no neutrons, which is um, something that is um, a technological improvement that's needed in the fusion energy industry for commercialization. So we have picked a specific type of fuel and a specific type of technology that we feel would be best served for a large-scale commercial purpose. Now, if I heard you correctly, you said earlier 10 to 12 years from today for viable energy, your co-founders and yourself and the industry has been researching this for a long time. What drew you to such a long journey? The need for such things, I think, for our future as human beings. And I think I've read that in your Forbes article, you wrote, let me see if I can get this correctly, the relationship between fusion energy and world peace. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Um, fusion energy has a few things going for it that, that makes current conflict um, a thing of the past. Uh, as we all know, energy, energy is the reason we all fight. We want some sort of energy dominance, independence, supremacy. All these words have been thrown around in society. Um, what we need is fuel that is independently standing. And, and, and by that, I mean, we don't need to go to Africa to dig up uranium and enslave a whole bunch of people in order to make fusion commercial. Um, we don't need to, um, we don't need to get into like oil wars and pipelines and run through reservations. We don't need to do all of these things. This is what we're building is a freestanding engineering um, feat, a freestanding unit that produces energy in various forms for various purposes, whether it's electricity or heat for industrial purposes. We can um, have something that doesn't create a whole lot of conflict, I feel. Uh, I, I think a lot of our current uh, fuel sources have this propensity to create a sense of lack, whereas I think fusion energy is 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 abundant, and this is this is the perfect energy that you know our universe works on. The perfect fusion energy generators are the stars we stare at at night. And I know earlier you said H three and H three, but I don't have a chemistry background, and many of our listeners don't. Can you share what the fuel? What what is the fuel that's used for fusion energy? Sure. Um, there are three, three different types of, well, there are about four or five, but the main ones, the three main ones are tritium, deuterium, and helium-3. And fusing a variety of, uh, fusing these in ver different various combinations gives you different outputs. 
Um, so, for example, I think the leading fusion energy company is using tritium and deuterium in their in their uh, composition. Uh, the second, uh, so to speak, in line uh, is using uh, deuterium and helium three, um, and we have chosen to use helium and helium three. And 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 I can talk about well, why some of this is problematic, including why why it's problematic in our design. Um, tritium is radioactive. Tritium is what goes into the large hydrogen bombs that makes them go boom. And we kind of don't want to be in the business of tritium because of <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to breed it. We don't want to do it. Um, however, it is a practical, it is a practical isotope to fuse for fusion energy. Because in order to fuse, fuse these different hydrogen isotopes, you need a very strong plasma field inside of your reactor. And a strong plasma field is dependent on how hot you can get it initially uh, and how strong your magnet is. So the heat, the plasma heat and the magnet, the beta of that is the strength of the plasma field, shall we say. And the stronger the plasma field, the better fusion you have and the better energy you would produce. So when you fuse deuterium and tritium, you produce a huge amount of neutrons. And this is what happens in hydrogen bombs. It's a large amount of neutrons. The problem with this is you cannot place this generator in a regular civilization. You have to do it somewhere far off. Uh, the grid because you don't want a bunch of neutrons flowing through, radiating the whole area. So you want to contain that. And currently, we don't have the materials to contain those neutrons. However, it is easier to achieve the betas needed to fuse deuterium and tritium. So in order, so it's low-hanging fruit. Fusing deuterium and tritium would be the first stage of evolution in fusion energy, shall we say. Okay. The, the second stage is deuterium and helium-3. Now, with this combination, you get very, very low neutrons. You, do, you produce very, very low neutrons, and you actually produce more energy. So you produce about 18 MeVs of energy um, with this reaction. The problem with this is Again, you need higher betas and you need some sort of material breakthrough in order to confine the neutrons for this, in order to make it safe. The option we've chosen is helium-3 and helium-3. And now this is really hard to fuse. So you need an incredibly strong magnet and you need a revolution in the plasma heating system in order to achieve high enough betas where you fuse helium-3 and helium-3. However, were you to successfully achieve this, you, you, could, you could potentially have the cleanest form of energy on this planet ever possible. Now, what's the big problem with this? The big problem is how do you get the helium-3? The best source of helium-3 is the moon, and it's all over the surface of the moon. <laughs> and so, so that's the eternal joke. Like, I have investors when I used to pitch them earlier last year, and they used to be like, this is all great. Where are you going to get the helium-3? So that's, that's the problem. So what we've come up with is a way to actually breed helium-3. And some of our Caltech scientists that we've been working with 
have figured out a way to do this. So this is something that we definitely want to research over the course of the next six or seven years and come up with a viable solution as a stopgap to actually going to the moon. Breeding helium-3. Mm-hmm. Again, can you explain, go into more detail? Um, so you could breed, for example, there are tried and true ways of breeding tritium. And, and the you know Department of Defense, Department of Energy, they've been working on this for decades. So there was a Los, a Los Alamos study done in the 90s where they spent like 30, 40 million dollars and about a course of seven or eight years looking at using a particle accelerator that has a lithium coating in order to breed tritium. This thing, the joke always is that they were ready to build this and this project was ready to go, but then peace happened and all the funding was taken <laughs> away. <laughs> and, and so it looks like that there might be some folks interested in circling back on that technology maybe in the next couple of years. I don't know. I hope not. There Why? Is, 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 is peace in jeopardy? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Um, um, yeah, so... So what we figured out is, so basically tritium uh, decays into helium-3. I should have said that. So tritium has a half-life of 12.3 years, and in 12.3 years, it deteriorates into helium-3. So there is a way to breed tritium, keep it in a container for 12 years, get the helium-3, use it as energy. Also, there is a way to create, there are three different ways we we have researched uh, on three different ways to breed helium-3. One is use the particle accelerator, like I said, breed the tritium, watch it decay for 13 years, and then you got it. The second way is to create a a magnetic confinement, spherical sort of steady state tokamak, which is a a fusion energy generator in and out of itself, and fuse deuterium and deuterium. And when you you fuse deuterium and uh, deuterium, the off- what you get out of that is helium-3 and helium-4. Helium-4 is just water. Like it does, it, we can't do much with it. But you get the helium-3, and were you to capture that, you could use that as endless. And the third way is to just partner with a space company and tell them, hey, you go to the moon and you bring this to me and I'll build you a generator you can stick in space. So we've we've researched all three venues, but we're optimistic that we could actually breed helium-3. And... Where is where do you get tritium from? I think it's government regulated, I would say. If it's not, it probably should be, but I, I, I assume it is. So I think that you can get it from the government. Um, the Fusion Energy Association has been asking this question. Um, other fusion energy companies are also looking for venues. But right now, um, the biggest way to get it is that it is a waste product, shall we say, quote unquote, in fission generators. But so, for example, I think America gets about 50% of any tritium reserves through the Candu facility, but that's getting shut down soon, I think, or upgraded. I'm not quite sure where they're at. And so you could you could capture tritium from fission plants. However, you the mechanism to capture that tritium is only built into the generation four, generation five fission plants, and they don't do that for others. So I think very recently Fukushima had um, some incident where they had to dump a lot of tritium in the water 
and and their justification was in 13 years it's not going to be radioactive it's all going to be helium 3 so it's 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 okay and i think there was some conflict around all of this um, i don't i'm not quite well versed on such things but so that's 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 the main way we're getting tritium right now it's just a waste product of fission plants um so there's no there's no tritium mine like uranium for example uh no no okay it's it's a it's a uh, since it's a hydrogen isotope, it needs to be made in like a lab environment or through a f- fission process. So this sounds like a, a fascinating, super complicated process. You know, with your background, what again, what drew you to this? I think it was a combination of things, actually. I started off as as a mathematician. I worked at Deloitte for about nine years I went from company to company. I've worked at marketing departments, sales departments, finance departments. I've done all of it. I've worked on a lot of tech automations. And so I, I bounced around quite a bit and I didn't know nothing, none of all of my jobs, you know, they all paid the bills and I was very, very grateful to get each and every one of them. And I worked with some amazing people and learned amazing things, but it didn't have the satisfaction of it didn't have the satisfaction of actually having an impact on the world. And so I started thinking about um, one of the biggest projects that I did in my management consulting days was like a huge end-to-end automation implementation for Edison International out in Rosemead, California. And so what this included was looking at the processes of various energy sources getting plugged into the grid and and how they run through transmission lines and how they they get to, you know, from the energy source to the grid to the household. And I had a team of folks and we documented the end to end of this. And that process made me realize that solving a lot of issues is just a matter of plugging a lot of energy sources into the grid. Well done, right? Like the more clean energy sources you can translate into power and connect it into the grid, the better off you are. And so the big ways of doing this was really nuclear energy at the scale that the future needs. And so I I was doing it very passively from a mathematical perspective because of my mathematical background. I got into fusion energy algorithms. I got into uh, doing a lot of research, working with a couple of research partners who are now my business partners. I worked with them on optimizing the strength of the plasma using AI and machine learning we um, we basically researched everything from what is the best type of fusion energy generator we can create that will plug into the grid that is clean, that can be commercial. So we really went into all of that and we thought of it. But we never, we never thought that we would have an opportunity to build this, Raj. I'll be very honest with you. We thought that we, you know, we... We thought the best case scenario was that we would do a lot of research and hand it off to the next generation to kind of take the baton for us. Um, but then there was this huge breakthrough at, at Commonwealth Fusion Systems and MIT. They, have, they, they had this magnet. They created this, um, there was this Rebco tape. It's like this millimeter level tape and it's made out of like seven different conducting materials and you wrap it around like, you know, when you're a kid, you wrap that copper coil around mm-hmm. the screw. Yeah. So it's it's like a similar concept, but like multiplied by 10 million, just an arbitrary number. Mm-hmm. So this concept created a magnet that was a 15 Tesla magnet. And this broke all records. 
And the lead magnet engineer on this project is Carl Wegel. Carl Wegel worked at, he used to be a a professor at MIT. He, uh, out of the eight magnets on this planet, he is the, out of the eight strongest magnets on this planet, he is the designer of five of them. So this dude is amazing. Um, So Carl is my founding partner at Kronos. So Mm -hmm. once Carl designed this magnet at Commonwealth Fusion, he was with them for a few years. And then I think um, he was consulting and then we we joined up and we created. And so we now have a design for a magnet because remember, I, I said you have to have a much stronger magnet in order to fuse deuterium helium-3 and, and helium-3 helium-3. So Carl now has designed a magnet for us that's about 30 to 35 Tesla. We're aiming for this 35 Tesla. And um, can you clarify what Tesla is? Uh, it's a measurement of strength of magnets. It's just a unit of measurement. And you've mentioned magnets several times during our conversation I don't think the general public understands the roles that magnets play in our everyday life. So if you could perhaps shed some light on that, I'd really appreciate it. Well, um, I know some applications. I know some industrial applications. There are a few space applications for magnets where they're using magnets to potentially as boosters and, and all of that. The thing that always kept fusion energy 30 years away was one, that was one of those things having a really strong magnet and being able to heat up a plasma. These were two things that once we figured this out as humanity, we are now able to commercialize fusion. So you mentioned your route to joining or founding Kronos. It sounds like you have the ability to learn and absorb information fairly quickly. What's your technique for learning? Um, It's random. I think it's just the love of the subject and the drive to do something great. I don't think that I'm anything special. I just think that I really, really want to do this. And so I am I naturally tend to learn when I really want to do something. So that leap you made between your last employment and Kronos, what was that period like? Um, Transformative, I think, definitely uh, emotionally. I did ask a lot of questions of, I think the question I kept asking myself was, 30 years from now, if I look back at what I'm doing today, am I proud of myself? And I didn't like the answer. And now two years kind of into it, I ask myself the same question, and I really like the answer. That's your your why, I guess. Perhaps. Well, perhaps one of it, maybe, the personal one. And what's perhaps another why? Um, there's a global need for a large, like a, a sort of a large energy revolution, uh, almost a different way of thinking at it, Think, um, of working at it, sorry, a different way of working at it. I think, um, yeah, a lot of things that I talked about in that Forbes article, I think the future of humanity really depends on us providing the future with a really reliable, clean um, energy infrastructure um, that's good for the planet. A lot of um, what we are building um, to start off with is not so much fusion energy generators that plug into the grid. We definitely want to do that, in, uh, and, and we will do that in the next 15 years or so. 
But what we would really like to do is create a fusion energy heat, heat unit for industrial purposes. So this is cement manufacturing. We definitely want to hone in on desalination plants because we feel like um, that's something we need to do for humanity. And that's something that can easily be done. All we're doing is boiling water and we can create a heat source for that. Um, processing cement, you know, processing steel, processing the liquid fuel we put in our cars. All of these are about 46, 47% of all the um, emissions in our atmosphere and creating an energy source that can solve some of that. And if we can bring those numbers down by at least even 20 to 25% with fusion energy over the next two to three decades, that's a huge win. That's worth waking up for. That's worth putting together companies like going on Sand Hill Road in the hot sun looking for investors. That's worth all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> now, two years on this journey, what are some of the most valuable lessons you've learned about yourself? I have learned, I've learned how, I think I'm better at listening to advice. I think I am now around human beings that are infinitely smarter than I am. And I humbly listen. Definitely people like Carl Wegel, who was my, who's my founding partner and our lead magnet designer. We have another gentleman, Paul Weiss. He's the head of the nanotechnology department at UCLA. He teaches at MIT and Harvard. And we think that materials, uh, material innovations are about 40% of the game for us. So we love Paul. And we also have Konstantin Bachigin, who is my other co-founder. I have three. Um, and he is the head professor at Caltech, and he has the same position at Al as Albert Einstein, uh, as Albert Einstein did when he was at Caltech. So I'm surrounded by brilliant people, and I think I've learned to rely on them, rely on their expertise, try to fill in gaps anywhere I can. As a founder, I've learned every job here. Um, and uh, I think I've learned to be curious. I, I've learned off my own resilience a little bit, especially when I was looking for funding. I learned, wow, I'm a really resilient human being. <laughs> how, how was that fundraising journey for you? Uh, difficult, but fruitful. We're very happy with where we are now. So let's fast forward to 20, let's say 10 years from now, 2033. I think earlier you mentioned um, a runway of about 10 to 12 years. So let's fast forward. Fast Company, Forbes, Wall Street Journal were to write a headline or perhaps short paragraph about Kronos Energy. What would you like that headline to read? Um, fusion Energy is now available at 0 0.02 um, cents per kilowatt hour. <laughs> Per megawatt hour, let's just low, go low, something like that. If we could have a um, levelized cost of energy of under 50 cents, I think that's a huge win because at that point, we would be cheaper than definitely nuclear. We would be cheaper than wind and solar. And if we could scale up fusion energy and optimize it to get it to that price point, I think that would be the headline. I like that. Very specific. 0.02 cents. <laughs> that's that's actually the holy grail number for the DO, DOE. 
It's not, it's not a number I came up with. It's a, it's okay. their number. It's, 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 that is the price point at which your energy production is actually very, very efficient and we worth plugging into the grid. We have a ways to go. We do, but we don't, you know, there are some breakthroughs that are going on right now that man, like there's this, there's this, um, there's this professor at university of Texas, Houston, and he's created a way to make the same magnet that we were talking about. He has figured out to make it at 30 times stronger at 10% the price. And what this means is the current price of a magnet in a fusion energy generator is close to 800 million is just the price of the components of the magnets. Um, this guy has technology that he's working with ARPA Eon and it can bring it down to 60 million. And if wow. you can do that, and if you can have some material breakthroughs where you can find material compositions that have some sort of conductivity as well as being able to harness heat and perhaps even, you know, I dare to say something like direct energy conversion, if we could accomplish all of those things, it's, um, it's possible to bring it down to that price point. It's, it's possible. Um, I, I would say, yeah, 15 to 20, 20, 30 years, that would, that would, be, a, that would be a viable headline. That's amazing. So last question, and I want to make it specific for you. The majority of entrepreneurs I interview in this in this sector are male entrepreneurs. So from a female entrepreneur perspective, could you share some advice or words of wisdom recommendations with the audience? I'd love to do, I have a daughter. I'd love to do anything to enable women out there. I just don't know if I'm equipped enough. I'm, I'm struggling with it too. Like I, I just... I just put one foot in front of the other and I, I just don't take offense. I think I, I, I let a lot of things just like slide off of me. Maybe I'm even stupid to understand when somebody is insulting me. So I find <laughs> that I'm actually around people who treat me very, very well. I'm around a great group of men who have a lot of respect for the women that they have worked with and speak highly of women. And I always ask I, sometimes I get curious. I ask men, I'm like, hey, do you have any female role models, you know? And if somebody can name someone other than their mom, I'm always happy. Um, so that's where I'm at. I've, um, I have been very lucky to work with some great men. I have no issues. I appreciate the candidness and I appreciate you sharing your story. I wish you all the best with Kronos Energy and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Of course. Thank you so much again for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.